What do you think then? Do you think when, when all this is over, society will remember that it said key workers, they're our heroes, that they should be paid much better, more respected, that we went outside, we banged kitchenware, let off fireworks, all to say wealth must be divided more equally. No one, especially in an undervalued job, should struggle for money. That's going to change, isn't it? Every day of the week. It's really going to happen. I can smell it in the air. Oh, yeah. Oh, macaron. Let's you wait and see, all right? Because the material distractions that just enough can reach now will mean that the, the outrage of all of those at so-called unskilled or low-skilled, low-paid, that, that wanted HCAs in hospitals, nurses, cleaners, uh, supermarket workers, all sorts of key workers, uh, this, that and the rest of it, to be paid decently will have faded. It will have faded to nothing, less than a flicker of a memory. And we'll be on to the next thing. Oh, look, a Lima driving an HGV on YouTube. Which uh, which Audi SUV are you getting next time? Yeah, yeah, the cruise we're doing this year is, uh, is all-inclusive. But it's all good, it's absolutely fine. Just 10 people in Britain have four billion pounds of cash between them. Let's give ourselves a coconut. We're the very best. See, we're impressed by money and status always, always, aren't we? We'd like to think that it doesn't really matter. It doesn't turn our heads. Of course it does. Have you ever stopped to listen to the language around wealth? He's done all right for himself. They deserve it. If you could have a rich friend whose swimming pool you can go around and use, looks good, doesn't it? Who's going to knock that back? It's, it's impressive. As JCC used to say, dress down to a cool anonymity, the Pierre Cardin line to infinity. The worst COVID mortality rate in Europe 2020 ever. 16 superb shortcomings, oversights and ineptitudes, including DJ Track and Trace, the essential non-essential travel, and the big mortuary filler, MC Lack of PPE, the worst COVID mortality rate in Europe 2020 ever. Lessons will be learned, fat chance of that. Don't drive to the castle. Drive to the castle. Don't drive to the castle. Drive to the castle. Don't drive to the castle. Drive to the castle. Pixar, the animation company, you know? What a brilliant, brilliant company, Pixar. Genius of a company two producers from there who actually worked on Toy Story 4 have put aside some time to talk to me. Jonas Rivera and Mark Nielsen. You got a friend in me. Wow, this place is amazing. Wasn't Buzz going to meet us here? He must be held up somewhere. I've looked over your respective resumes, your filmographies. Pleased to say you both got the job, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> where, where, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, you, you, both, um, yeah. you both obviously really put in the, the kind of hard yards to rise up within Pixar to where you are both now. 
that talent is recognised and consciously nurtured, is that quite a rare thing in animation film, and particularly show business? One often thinks of who you know, etc., rather than what you know, but yours is this story of, right, let's get these guys up through the ranks. We're, we're both really proud of that because we started at Pixar in the very early days. Um, I was on the first film. Mark was on, but you were on Bugs Life. Mm-hmm. Mark's the new guy. He's only been there 23 <laughs> years. I've been there 24. And uh, I think what we found in Pixar, and it's still true to this day, is it's, it's, a, it's a studio that kind of rewards passion and, and hard work. I mean, it's kind of built from the ground up. It was very small. And now it's, you know, many, many films and, and successful ones. And but we, we feel like we've had a hand in it, and I think a lot of people feel that way. So it's, it's, it's a lot of people have invested a lot in it, and it's reinvested back in its people. So we're, we're proud of it. Yeah, it's been fun to grow with the studio. I think when we started, when I started, there was maybe 200 people there, and now, now there's 1,200, and we've got a, a lot of great films in the pipeline. So it's, yeah, it's been absolutely incredible getting to kind of grow along with the studio. Right. Particularly in your field in animation, guys, there are things that you know, can be done now with the visuals and the detail that was either too long, too difficult, or probably impossible. Is there, therefore, a sequence, particularly in Toy Story 4, that you guys see that technical, the beauty of, and just want to whoop and high-five each other about? <laughs> you know, we kind of open the film right out the gate with a big dramatic scene that that's that we believe is pre- it's visually stunning. And if you were to compare it kind of A to B with with the original Toy Story film, which was the first ever computer animated film ever made, it would be pretty striking. Um, but you know, it it is this balance, right? Because you want it to feel the same. You want this the all the Toy Story films to feel like a Toy Story film, and you don't want the the visuals to distract from that. But we had a brilliant crew of technical folks, some of which worked on the original film, some of which were born after the original film, but all working together to just try to make something something stunning and to kind of push technology to the limits. As much as the, the stunning visuals and clearly the vocal performances of your actors, there's a real poignancy, isn't there, a pathos often to Pixar's work and in particular this franchise, the Toy Story franchise. How do you judge if there's a, a device, particularly pathos, poignancy, that's overplayed or equally underplayed in the story? Yeah, you, you, one of the things, we, we always say that these films need to have an emotional core to them. So, you, you, you know, you work into the story and the characters, um, some sort of drive and re- something relatable. You know, Woody, for example, is just doing a job. If you strip the story apart and just look at Woody, he's a guy that's basically doesn't, he's afraid of being replaced, of losing his job, so to speak. And that's a very relatable, and I think we're able to dramatize that. What we do is then we work it into the story and the writing, and we create story reel versions of the film where we watch it. And you're right, we'll do versions of the film where it'll be way too syrupy and then some will be maybe too cynical or too much humor and so we we balance it constantly adding things taking things out until we kind of find the 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 way the, that we want the movie to play so kind of we, we kind of make the movie before we produce it so that we can ensure that we're not overstaying our welcome in any given scene to infinity and your mom <laughs> Wait, what yeah that's not right. You sure? No, that's not right. I'm pretty sure that's it. No, 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 let me show you. To insanity and a blonde. What do you even That's how it goes. Saying? On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the whole damn shebang, the whole kit and caboodle, this is Homer Corona. Stop touching your face. Let's stay with the entertainment desk where our correspondent John Rose is... 
Thanks, John. Now, I dare say you've heard this. Peter Jackson, that's the film director, Peter Jackson, has been given hours and hours and hours of this fly-on-the-wall footage from uh, the time of the Beatles, their rehearsals, public appearances, studio sessions, gigs, all all of it, all this footage of the Fab Four. And and the idea is that Jackson will uh, stitch it all together in some kind of order to make a movie about the band. I think Lord of the Ringos is the one to go for. The Fellowship set out in search of the one Ringo. One Ringo to bring them all, to stop John and Paul from having petty squabbles again. And in the darkness, lose track of where me drumsticks are. After a while, they bravely made for Sodor. Sorry, Mordor. And realised there was no turning back from the terrible, angry fires and ugly violence of Mount Doom. Or Yoko, as we called her. Yeah, more in a really short while from our top Toy Story 4 duo of Jonas Rivera and Mark Nielsen. But as some mentions first, Beverly Huggard has downloaded all of the Homer Corona podcast, the audio, all two. So cheers, Bev. I'm very, very grateful to Rob Denuffley, who, from what I can see, has uh, turned all his mates pretty much onto uh, this podcast too. Bertha Wendover is a, is a big fan as well. And Lincoln Pickable, what a guy, Lincoln Pickable, wants to say, wants me to say hello. Last word, I think, to Johnny G of Reynard Way, who I have it on very good authority. So just about to settle down to some surf and turf and to listen to Homer Corona. Johnny says, Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, he would, wouldn't he? Toy Story 4 Chat Part 2? I hope so. I think we need to talk about Duke Kaboom. Uh, we do. <laughs> or, we do. I, I feel like I need to say, like, Duke Kaboom. He's, yeah, um, yeah. In the film, he's this emblem, isn't he, of 70s stunt toys that didn't really do what they were shown to do in the commercials. We've all maybe had one of those in the past, or our parents, etc. have. So, in a way, there are actually strong Buzz parallels here, aren't they? Because Buzz had that very early on in the franchise, and, you know, the TV commercials, or at least in his, you know, in his mind, he was the space ranger that went to other planets, etc. Is he threatened? Is place in the toy chain and lessened because Duke is, is around now? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because, uh, you know, Keanu wanted to kind of hear more about the story. And so he came up to Pixar before kind of agreeing to play the role for a pitch. And and, and that was something he brought up. He said it. Yeah. We hadn't even considered it. But he said, yeah, he's kind of close to Buzz. Are you worried about that? And so so we, we did make a conscious effort to kind of differentiate those toys. You know, what, what's different about Duke is he's he's got this Achilles heel. Um, you know, he, he was only able to spend maybe a few minutes in his life with his child, and that has haunted him through his whole life, yet he's also got this great bravado um, that, that he's never lost, this swagger that just comes from the truth of these, of these stunt toys. We're always trying to be true to the toys and what they could be like based on what they were designed to be. Yeah, we, we made us laugh because it, it, it did make... It, it, 
it is an echo of Buzz, but in a way, it's 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 worse, right? Because <laughs> Buzz didn't even know he was a toy, so he was none the wiser to any of it. Poor Duke knows he's a toy, and it only lasted like three <laughs> seconds, and he's lived eternally <laughs> in pain because of, because of that failure. So we we had this debate like, well, what would be the what would be the more painful existence? It made us laugh. It's so it's fun. almost like therapy for any animator that was a child in the seventies. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. get in the couch. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, story. she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Ah. <gasps> He's a sport. Yes, yeah, I know. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Marco, in particular, you've talked elsewhere, haven't you, about the recording sessions with Key and Peel and how they were hilarious and the improvisational aspect. Is that then ever frustrating for writers who have to concede, yeah, you know, these guys are actually, that their improv was funnier than the page or the pages of dialogue that I just wrote? You know, I think we really saw it as a gift. I would say the editorial department that had to process that dialogue saw it maybe as a curse because <laughs> uh, it it's a lot of takes and every take is completely different and all that has to be longed. But you know what? We, we, we cast them just because that we knew that was what they bring. That's their reputation. And we always recorded them together because they play off each other so beautifully. We'd give them the skeleton version of the scene in script form, but every take they would have us laughing it, we had to you know try to control ourselves so we weren't ruining the session but but every take they would give something completely different and and like they they would improvise and go on for maybe two minutes on on a line that's only maybe two sentences long uh, and they just brought gold and they kept us laughing and and like they they improvised the songs mm. uh, that are in there you'll see there's a song that they sing together completely came up on their own. They just started riffing and saying for about two minutes. Wow, that's just brilliant. It's, it's, uh, it clearly was a joy to work on this, Toy Story 4, and all the others in the franchise. And it's a, a truly joyful film and a brilliant film. Mark and Jonas, thank you ever so much for being with us. Thank you thank so much. You. It's, we it's really appreciate that. Bonnie needs Forky. Woody, who needs a kid's room when you can have all of this? Wow. Woody, aren't we going to Bonnie? What do we do, Buzz? What would Woody do? Jump out of a moving vehicle. Let's go! Yeah, you gotta go, you gotta go. If you should ever leave me. You know, you've handled this lost toy life better than I could. Open your eyes, Woody. There's plenty of kids out there. Sometimes change can be good. You can't teach this old toy new tricks. You'd be surprised. Bonnie? We're going home, Forky. God only knows Kids lose their toys every day. I was made to help a child. I don't remember it being this hard. Woody, somebody's whispering in your ear. Everything's gonna be okay. What I love about hosting this podcast with the Anchor site is you get to see all the countries and the cities of the world that your podcast has been accessed by. So I know, for example, Home of Corona is being listened to in Camden, Fairham, Huddersfield, 
Bognor Regis, Croydon, Aberdeen. It's even been downloaded in Oregon. It'd be, it'd be so great to know who it actually is. If you're hearing Oregon mentioned now and it's you or your mates who have downloaded the podcast Homer Corona in Oregon, then sling us an email. It's homercorona at outlook.com. That's all one word, Homer Corona, like the podcast title, at outlook.com. There's also Andalusia as well. And I've, I've not come across this place before in Germany. Thuringia? Thuringia. Thuringia. Mm, who knows? And you can't ask for more than that for it to be downloaded in lots and lots of different locations. It's, it just gives it purpose. And on that self-promoting note, it's time for Homer Corona to sling its hook. Speech on the next one. Double bag your tissues. <laughs> <laughs>